Hey, thank you for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can go to our website, renewalchicago.com. I pray that this podcast today is a blessing and encouragement to your soul. We're going to get back into our series this morning. We're in the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. Y'all been enjoying this series? Sermon on the Mount. It's been messing with you a bit, amen, but we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5 this morning, and the Beatitudes, the theme for this series has been Christian living in an everyday world, Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 9, we're going to read today, hear now the reading of God's word. Starting in verse 1, the text reads, it says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall seek God. And verse 9, where we'll be today, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Very words of God, amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, true peacemakers. Can you say that with me? True peacemakers. Before we go any further, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're an awesome God. You love people like us who don't deserve it. We hardly love ourselves sometimes, God. But you see us in our mess, and you still love us. We celebrated last week the resurrection of Jesus, God, and I pray that it wouldn't just be a day that we celebrate, God, but we would live in that hope for the rest of our lives, praising you, giving you glory. But this morning, God, I pray one prayer as we enter this text, that you would hide me behind the cross that you be lifted up in this place, that they wouldn't hear a word from me, but your folks, including myself, we need to hear from you, Jesus, to decrease me so that you will increase in this place. Have your way. And it's in Jesus' name we all said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. Amen. When I think of a peacemaker... Many people come to mind. Many people come to mind. I think of people like Gandhi, who led a very nonviolent, peacemaking, independence movement in India. I think of people like Mother Teresa. Y'all heard of Mother Teresa? Mother Teresa, who was a Catholic nun who opened organizations, started a charity that fed thousands, had clinics, counseling programs, it had orphanages and schools, all of that in one. I, I think of many people. And we look at the history of the United States, there's many people in the U.S. that we would describe as peacemakers. But there's one that always comes to my mind when I think about a peacemaker in the United States. And some of you may be thinking of him. That's Martin Luther King Jr. Martin Luther King Jr. was not God. He was a man. He was a man just like us. He, he, he had falls and all. He... He, didn't, he wasn't perfect, and sadly, some of us actually look at 
his flaws and things that he didn't do well more than the things that he did do well. Martin Luther King was a highly educated man. He went to college when he was 15 years old. He graduated by the age of 19, went on to earn his master's degree, got a PhD. Degree, PhD. He, he also went and, and won the Nobel Peace Prize. He's a great orator. We know of him. He said many things, but on the other side of it, Martin Luther King wasn't wealthy. He wasn't a man that had much. I mean, he didn't have a big old house. He his family, they moved around quite a bit. He was pretty poor. I mean, but you would look at him and, and arguably people would say that he's one of the most influential people who's ever lived in the United States. He was a young Baptist preacher called by God to lead a people, young man at that. I don't think we actually realize the fact that when he was 26 years old, he was, he was thrusted to the front of the, the civil rights movement where he, he's, he's sitting there now fighting at the, at, at the front of the bus boycott movement in Montgomery, Alabama, 26 years old. Some of y'all 26. You're 26, raise your hand. 26 years old. And this is him now leading the civil rights movement. All of y'all 26 years old. Bless your heart, baby. <laughs> this man didn't even see 40 years old. He lived a full life, though. He fought a fight not for himself, but he, 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 fought, for, he fought the fight for others fought the fight that other people couldn't fight so we could sit in here in a diverse church on Sunday morning. See, MLK said many things. You can look online. You can look up his speeches. You can look up quotes. There's many things surfacing all over the Internet. One thing that comes to mind all the time when I think of him is this quote. He says, in the end, people will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Let me say that again. In the end, we will remember not the words enemies, but the silence of our friends. So we can look at MLK's life, and we will never forget him because he did not keep silent. He didn't sit on the sideline and say, somebody else is going to handle that battle. He spoke up, but he, he opened his mouth, y'all, on behalf of other people, even people that weren't like him, that did not like him. Family, hear me. There is no multi-ethnic church. There is no certain equalities in America without people like MLK and the civil rights movement. I mean, regardless of what you think, all his flaws and all, this is the man that proclaimed to follow Jesus. He sacrificed his life for the betterment of other people that were different than him. So my question this morning is, are we able to slip on our boots and walk in the same footsteps of him this morning? Are we willing to do that? I mean, better yet, we just celebrated a man, another man that didn't live to see 40 years old last week, getting up from the grave. We just celebrating him. But instead of him, 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 him living for himself, he leaves heaven, comes down here, dies the death that we should have died, hangs on the cross, y'all, with nails in his hands and nails in his feet, only to get up from the grave three days later. So when we're looking at MLK, the real question is not are we following him. The real question is are we following the true peacemaker, Jesus? That's the question we got to answer. So today I got one question that I want you to ponder as we walk through this text. Y'all ready for it? The question is, am I a true peacemaker? Am I a true peacemaker? Now, as we jump into this passage, 
get back into the Beatitudes. I, I want to give you a little bit more context and just remind you where we've been because some of you guys are new. And I know it's only been a few weeks, but some of you all have no idea where we are and what's happening. Or some of y'all just forgot. Walked out of here and like, well, Pastor D preached on that a few weeks ago. Oh, we'll get back into it one day. So look, look, we're back in the Beatitudes. Let me remind you where we are. So Jesus is sitting down on this mountain. He's talking to his disciples, and because of the acoustics of the mountain, as he preaches, people around, there's thousands of people, they get to hear Jesus. So he's not yelling, he's just speaking, and because of the mountain, the people that are there get to hear him too. So as we've been saying, there are folks that are following Jesus, but then there's also people that are not following Jesus. So this message, the Sermon on the Mount, is also for the Christian, and also at the same time for the non-Christian. It's for the believer and the non-believer. Jesus Jesus begins to preach on this mountain on the basic premise of the sermon, and the Sermon on the Mount is being a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Or as we've been saying, it's living as a Christian in an everyday world. What does that look like? That's our theme. He begins by saying this word blessed. Y'all see the word blessed? Remember the word blessed. He says this word blessed over and over again. And when you read the Bible, when you see something repeated over and over again, that means we need to pay attention to it. It's like somebody nagging you. Look at this. Look at that. You see that. You see that over and over again. They're trying to get you to pay attention to something. And that's what Jesus is trying to do right now. So I need y'all to pay attention. I got to remind you of what this word blessed means. It implies an inward satisfaction or sufficiency that doesn't depend on your outward circumstances or what's happening around you. It's a supreme happiness. It, it could be read happiness, but this is a happiness that's not dependent on your happenings. Okay, so, so again, the Christian is not blessed because of what they have or what's happening to them. The Christian is blessed because of Christ and what he's done on their behalf when he died and he got up from that grave. So now we're covered with the grace of Jesus. We're covered by his grace and his mercy, and we get to experience the blessing and the joy of the promise that is to come in eternity with God. Again, what this means, family, don't miss this, is that what happens to you, some of y'all had a rough week, what happens around you, what happens in the world, it doesn't define you. It doesn't define you as a believer because you're blessed and promised eternal life, which means there's an internal joy that's within you that, that nobody can take away from you. No circumstance, no problem, because God gave it to you. You didn't make it happen. You didn't find it. God gave it to you. Now, I'm not sure about you, but I had to be reminded of this this week as I'm flipping on the news and I'm going through my social media and I'm hearing about more people found dead in the Sri Lanka bombings. As I leave the grip gala last night, I get home and somebody's wrecked my car. Then, then I wake up this morning and I see another shooting in a synagogue. I mean, I had to remind myself that my joy does not come from the things that are happening to me or around me. You see, understanding that this, this truth is that it allows the believer to live joyfully and blessed today because they know what awaits them. Hence, as I've told you before, the blessing of God is both now, we get to experience some of that now, but it's also not yet when we get to be with Jesus forever and ever in heaven. So don't let the world, family, hear me. Don't let the world or what happens to you dictate your state of being. Don't let it dictate your state of being. 
Now, now we're looking at this beatitude, and as we look at the, the beatitudes, there's three words. Y'all remember these words? There's three words we got to pay attention to. The three words are blessed, are, and for. Blessed, are, and for. You see this in all the beatitudes. You see blessed, are, blank, blank, for. And the word blessed, I got to remind you of this so you can read this correctly. The word blessed represents a person or individual's state. What follows that, that's this person's state. The word are represents the person's condition. The word for represents your purpose or meaning. Again, bless the state, are equals condition, and then for purpose or meaning. Now, family, this is important as you read through the Beatitudes because you don't want to miss it because many times our condition can contradict our state. What you're going through, what's happening to you, even as you read this, it can contradict the fact that you're blessed. Blessed are the merciful. Well, how am I blessed if I'm merciful? Blessed are, are the pure. What, what does that mean? Like, blessed are. See, sometimes we can misinterpret what he's saying here. See, your, 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 your condition does not dictate your state. Okay? Your state is dictated by your purpose and your meaning. All right? This is, this is why I've told you this before, because your happiness or your joy as a believer is not rooted in your condition or your circumstance. But instead, when you look at the passage today, verse 9, when you look at verse 9, you see that the person is not blessed because they are a peacemaker, but instead because they're a son or daughter of God. That's the blessing. A person is not blessed because of what they do or what they bring to the table. Don't mess this up. Some of y'all mess this up because some of y'all out here like, I'm, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to make this happen. I got to be good to this person so I can get blessed. It's not in what you do. It's not in what you bring to the table. You're blessed because you believe in Jesus. It, it's, it's, you're blessed because of what God has done for you, what he's done on your behalf, not anything you bring to the table. So hear me, my condition as a peacemaker is dictated by my purpose. God sees me as a son, which makes me blessed. Therefore, I will glorify him and live my life now as a peacemaker. This helps frame up the Beatitudes. So today in our passage, it says, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, y'all, honestly, when I looked at this, I had a tough one with this. Because I struggle to see a whole bunch of peacemaking in today's society. I mean, anybody else struggle with that? Y'all struggle with it? Y'all can show hands. It's okay. I heard the mm mm-hmm. Y'all struggle with seeing peacemaking? I mean... When you turn on the news, you turn on social media, you flip on your phone, all that stuff, you, you don't hear about peacemaking. You, you hear about turmoil. You hear about famine. You hear about wars, hatred, corruption. You hear about murder. See, true peacemaking is not a hot topic. But yet, at the same time, inside of all of us, we yearn to see true peace. We want to see peace within ourselves. We want to see peace in other people's lives. We want to see peace in the world. We, we want to see peace, right? But see, hear me, there, therein lies the problem of it. And I may step on a few toes with this when I say this, but I need y'all to hear me. I would venture to say because of all the pain and all the suffering in the world combined with the individualism of America, y'all, hear me, there's a lack of true peacemaking. 
with all the pain, y'all put that together, with all the pain, with all the trouble, with all the individualism in America, you put that together, there's a lack of true peacemaking. And what happens now is that peacemaking is more about self-love. Mess with somebody there, right? It's about finding inner peace, where now peace has only become about the individual. And hear me, excuse me, but that is a sad substitute for peace or peacemaking. You know why? Because while the individual may have peace or the facade of peace, when they walk out their front door, there is no peace. There are people dying and hurting right outside their front door. There is no peace in that because there's hell around you, which means that you got to rehearse yourself over and over again. I I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. I love myself. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I know that just happened to me, but it's okay. I'm going to get through it. It's okay. We're going to get through it. There's better days ahead. There's better days ahead. You got to keep rehearsing that over and over again. And then you see people, you're like, no, I ain't going to hang out with that person. They're a vibe, you know. They're they're a vibe. I never knew that a person could be a vibe until I met Demar Reed. He was like, he called somebody a vibe. And I was like, what in the world? Like, what did you just say? And it made, I was like, whoa, somebody could be a vibe. It was new to me. But see, 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 the thing that we miss in that, the hard truth that we miss in this family, hear me. The hard truth is that people in this world, we don't want to face this, is that everything is not going to be okay. At least not on this earth. That's the hard truth. We don't want to hear. We don't want to talk about it. Preachers don't want to preach about it. Everything's not going to be okay on this earth. Things don't get better until the new heaven and the new earth arrive when Jesus comes back. So there's always going to be these so-called types of vibes around you. Now hear me. I'm not against you finding inner peace or loving yourself. I'm all for it. My question to you is, What's your source? What's your source? Because if it's you, I'm finding it myself. I'm going to work myself up to get it. Y'all, it's going to fail every time. Because we change like the wind and the waves. We're up and down all over the place. We got to find a place that's more stable if we want to find peace. We got to go to somebody who's more stable, someone who is greater than us, who's not fickle in any of their ways, someone who does not change but stays stable. And the only person I know that's like that is Jesus. Philippians tells us in chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, it says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of who? The peace of God will, that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Damn, hear me. True peace comes from God. Not from me. Not from you. From God. So the slogan shouldn't be self-love. It should be love God. Because if you love God, then you'll not only understand how to love yourself, but you'll now find true peace in him. That's what the passage just tells us. Friends, hear me. This leads into the passage today. The text says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Again, this is tough. 
because this subject of peace has become intertwined with individualism, self-love, and the understanding of true peacemaking has become lost in many ways. So what I want to do is I want to look at this biblically. What does this mean biblically? Because if if we call ourselves believers, sons or daughters of God, then we should be marked by peacemaking. We should be marked by peacemaking. Now, unlike the world, unlike society and how it's minimized peacemaking to this individualized reality or personal satisfactory trait, true peacemaking, don't miss this, true peacemaking focuses on interpersonal relationships. True peacemaking focuses on interpersonal relationships. These are the people that work for wholeness, the wholeness and harmony rather than strife and discord in all aspects of life. But hear me, don't get this being a peacemaker mixed up with being a harmonizer. Okay, don't don't get being a peacemaker mixed up with being a harmonizer. Those are two different things. Two big, two very different things. See, a harmonizer, y'all hear me, harmonizer thinks about everyone else first and themselves last. They, they have this type of false humility about them where, where they really don't look out for themselves or they appear to not really look out for themselves. And instead, they care for others. But in doing so, they really are satisfying themselves. Watch this. See, hear me, it, it, it's still about them, though, even though they appear to be about everyone else because they get energized by serving and making sure everyone else is okay. And in that, they don't really have to be vulnerable about their own mess. That's false humility. That's pride. I mean, let me ask you, you ever met somebody who is an amazing servant? They just do all types of things. They, they serve you. They do all things. When you come over to the house, you don't have to do anything. You're there. But at the end of the day, when you really think about it, you don't know anything about them. I mean, they appear to be very humble, but at the same time, they're not humble enough to be vulnerable with their own stuff or letting you in on their life. They're, and because of that, they lack true relationships. Y'all hear me, don't mix the two of these up. You see, unlike the person that just seeks harmony, the peacemaker thinks about God first, then others. It's him first, then others. This prohibits one to be walked over, taken advantage of, or even people pleasing because the only person that the peacemaker is trying to please is God. They're only working to glorify him so so they can willingly share about themselves because they have nothing to lose. They know that they're already accepted and loved by God. It's a big difference there. They're not working for acceptance. They're already accepted by God. See, this is huge because many of us, we struggle day to day in our lives Instead, because instead of being a peacemaker, we're working for harmony. We're working to control our environment and other people's lives around us. Many of us suffer from depression because of this, because we're struggling with looking at the world. Because instead of peacemaking, we in our own power are trying to make the world better. And it's too much for us to handle. We don't don't have that in us to do it. We don't have a place to run to for our own peace. But we're out here trying to solve everybody else's problems, trying to fix the world. 
But modest, a lot of moms, we, they suffer from this. Mothers, we, we suffer from this because we, we try to hold the weight of everybody else's weight. I'm not a mom, but we try to, they try to hold the weight of everybody, everybody else's. And, and it's your children, your husbands, maybe you're working, maybe you, you, everything around you, you're trying to keep that household together, and you're feeling like you have to satisfy and take care of everyone, but at the same time, you have no place to run yourself. And hear me. God did not call us as believers to make the world a better place for you and for me and the entire human race. No. St. Michael Jackson, that's wrong. Got to lighten it up a bit for y'all. But hear me. It should be a better place if Christians are in it. But, but, but don't miss this. That doesn't mean the world is going to get absolutely better or considerably more peaceful. Don't miss this. There is a hard dichotomy that Christians have to face in trying to seek the betterment of other people by being God's ambassadors, sharing about the coming kingdom and how good God is and Jesus dying on the cross for us, raising up from the grave. I mean, we, we want to share that. But on the other hand, you live in a world that's not getting better. That's a very hard reality to live in. I mean, you you you. You probably think as a Christian, I know who Jesus is. Now, I'm going to go out and I'm going to share with the world that needs to know him. I, I'm going to glorify God with my life. I'm going to talk about him. And when people come face to face with knowing God, I, I, man, the world should get better, right? I mean, we all live in that dichotomy. I, I'm trying to make it a better place, peacemaking. I, I'm, I'm loving on people. I'm sharing the good news of Jesus. But at the same time, I feel like it's not getting worse. If we're honest we, honest, we struggle with that. But hear me, true peacemaking, don't miss this. True peacemaking and being a son or daughter of God has never been about making this world better. Not since the fall in Genesis chapter 3. Before that, yeah, but it, since then, God's been trying to get us back. It hasn't been about peacemaking in the world. Don't miss this. When Jesus came to this earth, I don't want you to miss this. He didn't free the Jewish people from under the Roman authority. He didn't bring peace to the world. He didn't come to make the world better. In actuality, the people that didn't even follow Jesus, y'all, they hated Jesus. They killed Jesus. Jesus didn't come to bring peace to the world. Look at this passage when he said, before the night, the night that he's actually taken away and killed. He says this in chapter 16 of John, verse 33. He says this. Look at these words. He says, I've said these things to you that in me, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will. He doesn't say you may. He says you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Don't miss these words. I think some of you are missing it. He tells the disciples that they will not have peace on earth, but tribulation and peace will be found where? In him. He says that in the world they will suffer, but he's overcome the world. He doesn't say, I'm, I've been scanning the scriptures. I'm looking through the whole Bible. He doesn't say, try to live your best life now. He doesn't say, go experience the good life. He doesn't say, go try to live the American dream. No, that's nowhere in here. He says, you will have tribulation and take heart. Take heart. He says, true peace. 
comes from abiding in me who has overcome the world. Now, does this mean, y'all hear me, does this mean that we shouldn't yearn for the world to be a better place? Does this mean that we shouldn't hurt when things like Easter bombings happen or murders all over Chicago happen? I mean, no, no. This doesn't mean that we should be apathetic and look at it and just be like, well, well, it is what it is. God said it's going to get worse. No, that's not what we should do. Family, there should be a yearning in all of us for something better. When we see pain, when we see homelessness, when we see corruption, when we see all these things happening that are, that are wrong, there should be a yearning for something better. And that yearning shouldn't be us just picking up our phones and tweeting about it and Instagramming or, or, or just pick, making a picket sign and going to fight for it. No, no. Before we do any of that, we have to answer the question, where do we run to in our yearning? Where do we go with that hurt? Where do we go to with that, with that yearning? That's the question because who or what we run to in our hurting and yearning, it dictates what we do with it. Some of us hurt and we yearn for hope and we run to the bottle. We end up drinking way too much. Some of us yearn and hurt and we run to sex and we do things that we've never thought we could do in our lives. Where do you run to when you're hurting and you're yearning? Where do you turn? Who do you turn to? That's the question. Jesus, in this passage, when he's about to die, he doesn't look at his disciples and say, y'all see all the hurt out there? You see all the pain? You see all the people suffering? Y'all know what to do. Go solve it. No, he says to them, take heart in me, for I have overcome the world. Now, hear me, this means practically that as a peacemaker, I will fight for black lives because they do matter. This means as a peacemaker, I will fight for civil rights because they do matter. This means that as a peacemaker, I will fight for immigrants because they do matter. I will fight for the abused and the downcast because they do matter. But in all of these bouts, hear me, if something goes wrong or something doesn't go the way that I think it should go, hear me, y'all, this, this is where now I remember that scripture and I take heart. I take heart because one day all of those battles that I'm facing, all of the things that I'm going through, they will be no more. So I take heart, not in myself, but in Jesus. That's where my true peace comes from. He says he's already overcome the world. As I've told you before, the Christian is constantly living in the, this constant state of the now and the not yet. We get to experience some of the joys of being with Christ in the now, but the true joy is coming when we're with him forever and ever in heaven in the not yet. See, true peacemakers fight with hope. True peacemakers live with hope because they know what is coming. They know what's coming, not in this world, but in Christ. So hear me, I can fight for the betterment of my brother or my sister, even if they hurt me emotionally or physically. You know why? Because my life is not in their hands, but it's in God's. My future is not in their hands, but it's with Jesus in heaven. So I can live as a peacemaker regardless what's happening to me or around me because it's about him and not me. Hear me, being a peacemaker means that one is to reflect 
the character of God as a son or daughter of God. And to understand the character of God, one has to take a look at Jesus. You got to look at the life of Jesus. God sends his son Jesus down here. He leaves the plushness of heaven. No sin, no problems. He comes down here. He lives the life that we live without sin. Gets beat down when he did nothing for the beatings. I mean, he, he, he hikes up a hill with, with, with a, a cross on his back. He hangs there with nails in his hands and nails in his feet only to go to the grave. Then he rises up three days later with power in his hands so that if we believe we can have life. But don't miss this, y'all. He doesn't do any of this necessarily for himself. He does this in order for us to be made right with God. Y'all don't don't miss what's happening here. He made a way for us to have shalom or perfect peace with God. No guilt of sin. No condemnation in that. Meaning that through our belief, we are saved that we can experience the true peace that surpasses all understanding internally while we're here on this earth. But one day, the good news about this family is that we'll be removed from this earth. That we won't just experience peace internally, but we'll experience it physically when we live with God forever and ever. That's good news. That's good news. See, family, in order to be a true peacemaker, one has to follow the true peacemaker, Jesus. See, a true peacemaker reflects the character of God, which means that even in their own detriment, to their own detriment, they seek the betterment of others, even if they're your enemy. That's tough, right? But I know this is true because Jesus did the same thing for us. He sought our betterment. When we were all enemies of the cross, that cross, we're all enemies of the cross because we're dead in our sin. We're in need of a savior. But yet in the midst of that mess, Christ doesn't look out and say, look at them. They're so messy. They're so messed up. Nope, I can't do nothing for them. He still dies. He still takes our place. Romans 5, 6, or 8, it says these words, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, family, I know you're sitting there and you're saying, Pastor D, I get where you're going with this. I get it. But that's tough. This is challenging. And. I'm not sure I can do this. And and, and y'all hear me, we will all fail at peacemaking. We will all mess this up because none of us are Jesus, including me. I'm going to fail too. None of us are perfect. None of us can make this happen in our own power. The question we have to answer this morning is, are we even trying? Are we even trying to be peacemakers? Hear me, some of us walked in here today, and you have issues with someone in this church that have been lingering for days and weeks, and you have not confronted it yet. You have not said anything to the other person, but yet you passively are trying to keep the harmony and keep it going. Some of us walked in here this morning, and we have family issues. 
problems with our father, mother, or sister, brother, some relative has done something or said something to us, and we have yet to say something to them, we have yet to forgive them for their actions or what they did to us, we don't confront it, and we sit in it, and you know what? It's eating us. It's like poison. It's eating us from the inside out. We're bitter. Some of us walked in here, we got marital issues. We have relationship issues with, with people in our lives. And it hasn't been going on for one day or two days, two days. It, but it's been going on for months and, and, and years. And we refuse to get counseling. We refuse to ask for help. We refuse to, to admit our wrongs. We're at the place where we're done. It's no more coming back from this. We can't do this anymore. Some of us walked in here this morning, you're just trying your best to find inner peace. You're trying to love yourself. You're trying to do all these things, and, and it keeps, but the weight of the world, you know, at the same time, you're trying to do this, and everything that's happening around you, your thoughts are coming in, and you can't do it, and you just need to raise your hands up and say, Jesus, I need you to fill me with your peace. I can't do this. I need you. Family, are we even trying to be peacemakers? That is the question. Some of us need to make peace with someone right now in our lives. Scripture says in Colossians 3, 12 through 14, it says, put on then as, God cho as God's chosen ones. Don't miss these words. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Family, are you putting on love and being a peacemaker? Some of you sitting there saying, nope, nope, I'm not doing it, Pastor D. They hurt me deep to my core. They messed up. They wronged me. Until they do something to make it right or apologize, I'm not going to do anything. And I'm so thankful that Jesus does not and think the way we think. Because if Jesus thought that way, would none of us be here? He sees us in our sin. He sees us in our mess. He takes those sins to the cross even before we apologize or ask for forgiveness. And he dies the death that we should die. He does that when we're his enemies. You know what that tells me? You know what that lets me know? It lets me know that forgiveness is not based upon somebody's apology or their actions toward me. D don't miss this. It's, it's done out of love, which, which the Bible says it holds no records of wrongs, which means it does not mean you forget what they did to you. It just means you don't dangle it over their head and hold it there. Remember y'all did, do you remember you did this to me? No, family, some of us are shackled sitting with unforgiveness in our hearts. Let it go. Let it go and forgive. Experience the freedom and peace of Christ in it. Family, the text says, peacemakers shall be called sons of God, which means that the ultimate reward, both the now and the not yet, living 
Jesus is that he sees you as a son or daughter right now, but ultimately and forever, he will view you as a son or daughter with him. Forever. And I know you're sitting there and you're saying, I still, this is tough. I, I can't do this. Guess what? Jesus knew it would be tough. And that's why he does not leave us alone. He leaves every believer with the third person of the Trinity, the indwelling Holy Spirit, to give you the power to do what you need to do, to convict you, to lead you, to counsel you, to talk with you, to walk with you, to give you the boldness and the courage to walk in the ways of Jesus when you don't have it in you. See, being a peacemaker, family, it's hard. But we're able to do it if we abide wholly and fully in Jesus. Let's live from a place of trusting in him, not us. And let's strive to be peacemakers. Let's strive to be true peacemakers. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your goodness this morning. God, I thank you for being the ultimate peacemaker, sending your son Jesus to come and die for us on the cross, to live the life that we should have lived, God, but weren't able to do in our own power. And you being a good God, so always send that mess and send your son. Now there's peace between us and God. God, there's many struggling with this, God, that are struggling with peace in their hearts and peace between brother, sister, father, mother, some relative, spouses. God, but you wait for us to be at peace with you. And you hung on that cross, not for just that peace, but for us to have peace with one another. God, I pray that right now, wherever we are, God, as we're struggling with this, some of us are. God, that you give us a heart to forgive. You give us the strength to walk in your ways. That we repent where we need to repent, turn from the ways that we've been where we've been, God, the hardness of heart and turn to you. God, I don't know what to do with this, Lord Jesus, but I, and I pray that you guide us in all truth and wisdom how to love another person, how to truly be a peacemaker. God, we know we can do this. You just did it for us. God, this table, we celebrate this morning that true peace has been made. Amen, God, through your death, Jesus. God, you're good. We love you. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone say together. Amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast today. I pray again that it was a blessing and encouragement to your soul. And I hope to see you at one of our services at 10 a.m. Take care. God bless you. Uh-huh.